Previously on Quest Friends. Oh boy, I'm sure excited to meet the queen and give her this gift that I got for her. And it's a macaroni drawing that says, I love you, Heartberry. Are you asking the queen for medicine? What sort of medicine does she need? I don't know, she she got down with this, this weird sickness. Mm. It was like she got like bitten by a spider or something. <laughs> Look, Shock yeah. will turn back to the guy and say, I swear to you on my honor as a wizard that if you assist us in getting inside the palace, you will find medicine for your daughter. You realize, Misha, <laughs> you don't remember anything. It happened again. No! What is everyone else doing? So while that banter was happening, Shock just went down with one last telepathic message for Tamisha saying, It's okay, Misha Jarvis. I'm not going to die here. I'm going to come back for you. Everyone else thought you were still on the outside, but I saw you with my own two eyes. I knew you were clever enough to get inside of here. I'll present me to the gears then. The sun rises the same in Fastin. Every day, it gently rests its warm beams over each wooden slat of each hand-built house, and the townsfolk slowly rise from the full embrace of their woolen sheets to the comforting prospect of another day, same as the last, and same as the next. Some might find the consistency stilting, but the townsfolk of Fastin know that, in a world where one week can change entire landscapes, it's important to preserve spaces outside of time. And as the sleepy town slowly awakes, so too do four weary adventurers, each with their own story to tell. So it's later in the day when Shock originally woke up from that whole experience in Charmande. Uh, you were able to talk a little bit to Mako, but he made it pretty clear that it was important that everyone took a day to rest and relax while he got everything kind of fixed and was able to meet with you. So Mako says he's going to meet with you tomorrow, but has made a very big importance that everyone takes the day to explore the town of Fasten, which is this adorable tiny little town uh, a couple hours away from Charmande, if you're going by water-powered land boats. So everybody, so everybody is going to have their own little moment of time to explain kind of what they're doing over the course of this day. And we're going to start with Shock, uh, who is actually the same as Jacques. I just am finally pronouncing his name right after two entire arcs. It's fine. Shock would never correct someone how to pronounce his name. Oh no! <laughs> Quick question. Should we describe our mechanical level ups first before we get into the story time or? Yeah. And I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that I was getting rid of the typical leveling up and we were going to level up at the end of each arc. So we have done two arcs, which means we are leveling up from tier one to tier three. That gives us a whole bunch of goodies to play with. But for simplicity's sake, we're going to focus on two things. We're going to focus on skills, which are basically things that make any sort of task easier. And then there are also abilities, which are special things that people can do that just other people just flat out can't. Like, I can try my hardest to lift something. I can't even try to shoot laser beams from my eyes. I mean, I have, but it hasn't had any sort of result, <laughs> while at least lifting something has had minimal effect. That's disappointing, Kyle. I know, it's so sad. <laughs> Although I actually was Cyclops, like, I... Well, I mean, he wears pretty cool shades, so I'd be cool wearing those shades all the time. Anyways, Tom, what you, <laughs> how did you level up? Well, because I was on top of things and leveling up the whole time, I was actually mostly to tier 3 before we decided to make our switch. Boo! So my level up is not as dramatic as some others, but Shock has a couple of new things. Uh, the rest of the party would have noticed uh, as they traveled with Shock, but anytime he got some free time, he's off on his own doing some minor magic tricks, like playing around with cards, trying to like get coins out from behind his own ear, that sort of thing. 
not not the sort of magic necessarily that uh, nanos do, but he's been very interested in sleight of hand uh, and magic tricks. And if ever asked about that, he would just say that, you know, as a great wizard, he wants to cultivate and understand all forms of magic. So um, Shock is now specialized in sleight of hand, because this is what I did for my last two level ups, just focused on uh, getting this skill up. And this level up, I took the ability Countermeasures, which I will describe in character later on. Don't worry about it. Uh, this will kind of get into the story. So Shock, you no longer have the spiders. When you woke up uh, after getting that beautiful, like, hugging moment with all your friends, you realized that you were able to, for the first time in, like, a week, think clearly. And and I don't know if you tested it at all or if there's anything you did to try to be like, am I still getting the visions? Can I, like, do esoteries easier? Is there spider in me? Was there anything you did to check for that? Uh... So I would guess that Shock would feel the difference, right? And knowing what they went there to do and what he just went through, I think he can put two and two together. But if he spoke with Mako at all, like in the immediate aftermath, he probably would have asked if, you know, there were any lingering effects, if there were still spiders in there, that sort of thing. Mako wouldn't have gone into detail, but he would have told you that he was he was able to basically get most of it out. Okay. The, the important mechanical thing is that you can actually, you don't get a penalty for doing intelligence things anymore. Whoa. So you're no longer useless. Whoa. So with this new kind of swing in your step, what are you doing uh, for your day off? After getting the news that Mako wanted them to take a day off, Shock might have seemed a little huffy. It's it's hard to say, because he still isn't very good at expressing his emotions, but the party might have noticed he felt a little off, and he s- decided to go off into the marketplace. And he is going to try to hunt down a merchant who deals in microchips or other spare parts. You've been going from stall to stall, Amy's Anine accessories, <laughs> Jacques... Mustache Emporium. Get the fuck out. And you're currently at uh, Harold Houdano's House of Escapes, which has a whole manner of escape things. Nothing nearly as impressive as how this stall has escaped the definition of house, because it's really just kind of like a cardboard box. There's not really much to it, uh, but you're pretty desperate at this point. So you're you're standing there and you've been talking to this guy a little bit. How has this negotiation been going with Harold Hudeno? Oh, Shock is looking for something fairly specific. He's definitely received an upgrade to his offensive power, and he has a lot of different abilities, but he's very concerned about protecting himself and the rest of the party. So Shock wants to improve those defensive capabilities. So he's looking for the sort of chip that could give him, you know, a command signal, sort of thing that would make anything connected to the data sphere or nanites or any such effect shut down or cancel out. You've been talking to this guy. He's been pulling out a whole variety of definitions of chips, one of which seems to be just a piece of cardboard that he kind of magic markered a chip drawing on. You, ha- you haven't had a whole lot of success trying to, to get things from this guy, um, but you, you've kept on negotiating. And eventually after a while, you see Lowell, that boy who was in the room when you woke up, kind of lean against it and turn to you and, and just say, listen, man, I told you it's the chip thing is right over there. And he points over to Cherry's chip stand, which sells a whole variety of potato chips. Shock gives him, like, a clearly frustrated side eye and doesn't say anything to him at first. Listen, man, if you're not gonna tell me anything, I can't help you find the chip you want. I don't even know what... Your name is Shock, right? That's what people seem to call you? Shock steps away from the stall he's at and without really looking back at Lowell just says, yeah, that's my name. Why are you here? See, shock. Now we have a start. We're going somewhere, buddy. And I said, I am here to help you find a chip. So what are you looking for? Shock lowers his hood, opens the hatch in the side of his head, and points to the uh, interface there and says, I would thought you would know by now. You know, all things considered. That is disgusting. But it does explain a lot. He shuts it and pulls the hood back up. It's just my spell book, you know? Think of it like that. And as you keep walking, you suddenly find yourself by this big shed that has a lot of, like, hammering and whirring sounds from within it. Uh, And as you turn over to look at it, you see Lowell standing in the doorway, and he looks back at you and says, Hey, there's a whole lot of metal in here. 
I mean, that's what chips are made out of, right? Shock enters the building. Yeah, so you enter the building and you do see a whole bunch of stuff in it. It seems like a big shed. There are a couple of things being worked on, a couple of like inventions, suits, some Numenera that seems to be modified. And in the center of it, working on a fairly hefty vehicle, is uh, a pretty, pretty and pretty buff woman with a bit of a bit of a handlebar who turns over to you and says, Hey, how can I help you? I sound like Mako. I'm going to change my voice. Just give me a second to think about it. You can talk to me while I figure out what my new voice is. I apparently need to figure out Shock's voice, too. I, I feel like I'm doing it wrong. We're having a weird day here today. Sometimes the data sphere just like, you know, the kind of Freaky Fridays are voices. Uh, Shock, reminded as if by divine intervention, closes his eyes, sits down on the ground, and contacts the data sphere with my connection power. Hey, Jacques. Long time no see, buddy. We were scared for a moment. We couldn't even contact you. Oh, hey, you made a friend. And, uh, Lowell, who's kind of in the corner, turns back to you and waves. It's nice to see you're finally getting to know people for once, Jacques. Jacques doesn't say anything for a moment. Uh, what can I help you with? Or are you just here to, here to talk to us for once? Because it has been a while. I'm looking for a specific part, a control chip. Where can I find it in town? Hmm. Uh, you can feel the spirit almost leave you for a second and kind of like leave through the door as if a gust of wind. And then it comes back and says, well, I mean, there was a chip stand outside. And Lowell pipes in, that's what I said. It sounds like you're not looking to eat anything. Hmm. You hear them hum to themselves as they kind of move around the space. And finally, they come back and say, Well, it seems like the kind of chip you're looking for seems to be what's on that nice lady over there's belt. And you can see that this woman is has like this power drill with a slot at the bottom where she can slip out chips. And she has this whole belt, kind of like a Batman's utility belt, where she's able to flip out chips for different purposes as the head of the screwdriver thing kind of changes shape to whatever she's trying to fit it for. Oh, well, that was easy. And Shock will pop back up, speaking to the one who has presumably just been standing here this whole time as Shock sits on the on the floor of the warehouse, say, I need that, please. And he'll point at the specific chip. She's going to look down and look up. I just want to make something clear. You're not, like, doing a stick-up or something right now, are you? No, I I have money. Do I have money? <laughs> uh, in fact, Lowell pipes in. He says, do you do you have money? Or, or are we doing a stick-up? I, I need to know. I can't be involved in a stick-up. Shock. Uh, I, just, I have money, and he fishes out four shins. I can also work for it. I work sometimes. All right. All right. Well, what can you do? Do you need anything cut? Like some really thick metal? Well, yeah, actually I do. And she goes back to the back of the vehicle and she kind of shows you some things that need to get cut and need to get taken care of. All right. And so we're going to flash forward to a few hours later. Uh, this woman, Lorelia, has been just super helpful. It looks like she seems to be the town mechanic. And so she's been helping you out. And especially once she found out that you were part of the party that brought in Mako to help heal Jerry's daughter, Rosemary, she's more than happy to give you that chip. And so now we're at, at the end of the day as you're leaving and Lowell just says, huh, nothing like a day of hard labor to get a chip for your brain. Well, that was only just the start, you realize. And Shock sits down outside in the ground, opens up the hatch again, and sets up a mirror to, so he can see more clearly uh, the slot where he plugs it in. And then Lowell would see him start tinkering with a glove. Shock's left hand is the one that has the glove for cutting light on it. But he starts building a second glove for his right hand with little mechanical bits that go over, um, over the knuckles and the fingers, almost up to the tips, and then stretch back into the glove by the wrist. And after a few minutes of piecing this together, he holds it up, shuts the hatch in his head, and starts flexing his fingers in the air, and a sort of holographic light display appears in front of it, and can be moved around a little bit. And then Shock nods and says, With this, I can shut down just about anything. As long as it's Numenera, anyway. I can deflect attacks. I can turn things off. I have to be touching it in order to use it. But this will work. And then Shock will stand up again, face Lowell, and say, You've been here all day, and you still haven't answered my question. Why are you here? 
do you want with me? Why are you in my head? So now it is your day. Uh, should I do my level up stuff? Yeah. What are your new skills and abilities? Well, my new skills. Well, this isn't a new skill, but my parkour skill, uh, I am now specialized in. So parkour all day, every day. And then I also gave myself skills in perception and stealth. Okay. Um, and then my abilities, blah, blah. I gave myself experienced adventurer. I definitely know what that does off the top of my head. And I definitely typed it in my thing. Ow. Oh, I found it. When I use a non-combat skill successfully, if I did not roll a natural 19 or 20, I can apply a level of effort after the roll to get a minor special effect. Yeah, so if you if you climb something and you succeed, you can put an effort to succeed a little succeed better than like usual. succeed real good. Because I'm an experienced adventurer. Not not real good, because it's not a major effect. It's, it's pretty good. Pr- it's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Hop's pretty pretty, and he succeeds pretty good. Yes. Um, and then my other thing, I now have mind reading abilities, Ooh. which we flavored as the influence of the pin because I've had it on me for so long. Ah, that's a good idea. Because Hop doesn't have any like magic abilities, but the pin lets him tell what people are thinking with his excellent observation skills. And we're flavoring it. I get three questions, two yes or no, one open-ended, right? Yeah, so the way I have it written down in your character sheet is, by analyzing their mannerisms, you can interpret the inner thoughts and feelings of a target. You can ask the GM three questions about what the target is thinking. Two must be yes or no, but the third can be open-ended. And that's not like you have to ask two yes or no and then one open-ended, you could, like, start with an open-ended question and ask two yes or no. Uh, so that's what Hop's got going on. So that's what he's got going on skill-wise. Skill-wise. Uh, but what's he got going on life-wise? What's he doing in this day, in this town? Well, life-wise, I think he was the only one wearing his normal clothes throughout this whole sewer adventure. Uh, and he likes his clothes, so he's gonna go get them properly cleaned at the dry cleaners today. They need a professional cleaning. You, uh, you go into the dry cleaners, which is this pretty small establishment kind of off the main road. And as you enter, you see this large, hairy man who turns over to you and says, Oh, Mr. Scotch, thank... Why does everyone sound like Mako? Because <laughs> his voice uh, is the best, obviously. Uh, fuck it. Okay. He's like, hey, Mr. S- and now I sound like a little boy. In <laughs> fact, yes, you're going to see a little boy... <laughs> You're going to see a, a man and a large hairy man in the back who's been working on dry cleaning. And you're going to see a little boy turn around who's been drawing with a pencil that shoots out pieces of macaroni. And he's going to say, well, hello, Mr. Scotch. It's super nice to meet you again. Thanks for saving my sister. Oh, hey, Barry. Yeah, nice, nice to see you. Well, hi. I'm in charge of taking orders today. Can I help you? Oh, um, well, so he would have changed into, like, what his other clothes are in his Explorer's pack. All right, what are his other clothes? I don't know. They're the same as the, well, like, it's just another, like, button-up shirt. He's only got the one jacket and hat and stuff, but he has, like, extra button-ups and khaki pants or whatever in his... Can I, as the GM flavor, um, that the reason you don't wear it normally is that there's a little tag on the side <laughs> that says, cool kids come from key. No, I would have because <laughs> it's like something you just got on your adventures. He just like picked it up. He only cares about the one good set of clothes he has. He tries to wear that <laughs> most often, which is why he's going to get them nicely cleaned today. So he's wearing his stupid extra clothes that he doesn't like. That is like a tourist shirt he bought from G. And he's gonna hold out his normal clothes he's holding. He's like, well. It got kind of dirty after our whole debacle there. So uh, can I have these cleaned today? Oh, of course. Do you have money? I do. How much would it cost? I have 13 shins. <sighs> That's too much money. How about um, 10 shins? <gasps> 8 shins. 5 shins. 2 shins. <laughs> he just gets a tap on his, uh, he gets a tap from his dad, who, who kind of just like motions and gives him a, two fingers up. And he's like, 2 shins. 
All right, two shins, and I will hand them to the kid. Thank you. Can I have your clothes, please, for dry cleaning? Yes, you may. And then I'll hand them to him. Okay. And he kind of slumps over all these clothes. And he, like, the hat, I think, just kind of fell on his head <laughs> and is, like, covering everything except for his mouth. And he, he gets off of this stool that he was on, and he starts kind of waddling to the back. And, and as he does that, the door opens, and you see a you see a, a, a frowning man. Oh, this time it's more awkward and, and anxious than angry, with a large mustache walk up to you and say, Mr. Scotch? Uh, yes. How can I help you? Uh... So, back in Charmande, you said you would write me a letter of recommendation? Oh, this is Don? Yeah. I would re- Okay, well, I would recognize Don, so I would change that to, like, what can I do for you, Don? Okay, and then he says what he says. Okay, uh, yeah, that still, that still holds. When do you want it by? Um, well, I'm applying for a job in five minutes. <laughs> five minutes? <laughs> Why didn't you give me a warning? Uh, I... I was busy applying. Good. Uh, okay. Um, can I say I have like a notebook? No. no. I'm gonna say you left your notebook at home oh because God. you were carrying all the clothes. Um. Okay. If uh, you want, I can make it a GM intrusion. But no, you don't have a notebook. I don't have a notebook. Uh, can I turn to Barry's dad? Is he still in the background? And ask how long it will take for my clothes to be cleaned? You just hear. Uh, you just hear the whirring and washing of of the what's the dry cleaners. You hear whatever sounds happen to the dry cleaners, uh, and it's kind of overwhelming whatever you're yelling. Coat hangers squeaking by on poles. That's what Yeah, just a bunch of squeaking like. coat hangers. Uh, in fact, one of the hangers you could swear is just staring at you and going, squeak, 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 squeak. All right, well, um, I'm sure this will take like an hour or so. Would it help if I went with you? Uh, if you would be willing to. Uh, well, I don't have time to write you a letter. I didn't know you had an interview in five minutes. Okay, I guess we're going to have an interview. <laughs> Well, what is me? I don't. I don't. Um, yeah, so you flash forward and you are at the interview for kind of a, a caravan near the outside of town that seems to be kind of going from place to place and needs uh, needs someone to help them move things and provide a little bit of, of support. Some of the job requirements, as Don says, is the ability to stay standing for 72 hours straight, okay. which he claims is about like half of what he's used to. Okay. So yeah, you're going to walk up and you're going to see this, this, this lady. She's going to turn over and say, ah... Don, it's a pleasure to see you today. Here for the job application? Yep, yes I am, and this is my letter of recommendation, uh, Hopper Scotch. Uh, oh, I didn't know letters look like people now. <laughs> Hi, uh, this is so, I, I didn't know he had an interview today, so I didn't have time to write a proper letter, so I thought I'd come by and just offer my recommendation in person. Okay, so what can you tell me about Don's ability to do a heavy labor, starting with all of his positions over the last seven years. Uh, I haven't known Don for very long, but for the short time that I have known him, he has lifted many a heavy object, and well. Such as what? Uh, <laughs> can I roll a memory roll to see if I can remember literally any time I've actually seen him? This is a roll of session. Fine. Um, he lifted a big rock once. Hopper's just lying now. Oh, a big rock, you say? How big was it? Bigger than most rocks. (laughs) Oh, I've seen some pretty big rocks. And Don's gonna lead over to you and say... What are you doing? I, I don't like to lie. I don't I don't like rocks. They're coarse and hurt my hands and they're all pointy. They they have a million stabs in them. <laughs> they get everywhere. Um he lifted a grown woman once who was unconscious, and unconscious people are usually heavier than conscious people. There's a long, long <laughs> well, pause. Well, it wasn't weird, it was like And you can see We were getting her out of a dangerous situation. <laughs> it wasn't and weird. You can, you can see a tumbleweed <laughs> just slowly go by all your feet. Then the woman looks back and says, Hmm, that seems like a pretty good reason to hire somebody. But how can you prove that you can do it? I can't prove anything for Don. I'm just his reference. I'm just here to tell you he's a really hard worker. He's good at what he does. He's got a lot of stamina. I think he'd be a good hire. Uh, Mr. Scotch. Have you lifted individuals in the past? Are you a good frame of reference of how impressive it is to lift up 
an individual conscious or unconscious? Well, five minutes before Don did it, I tried to lift uh, this unconscious individual and I needed help, but Don did it. All right, Mr. Scotch. I will give Don the job under one condition. And she climbs on top of the caravan and turns her back to you. And you just hear her say, catch me. (laughs) Me? Why me? (laughs) And I think that's going to be the end of our our session with Don. Welcome to the announcement break for episode 18 of Quest Friends, the podcast you are currently listening to. Uh, my name is Kyle, I am the GM of the game and the announcer of the announcement break. As always, our intro and outro song are Friends and Hitoshio, both by Miracle of Sound. And announcement-wise, I've got two things for you. The first is that we have an official, actual website. It has your typical kind of stuff, cast and character bios, a link to all of our episodes... It also has links to all our social media accounts because we've got a lot more of those now. Specifically, we have a Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, YouTube, and Instagram. The website also features some fun bonus features, such as character sheets, an artwork gallery, and my personal favorite, a section called The Story So Far, which contains about a two to four sentence summary of each individual episode. So if you'd like to get caught up on the plot so far, but you don't really want to go back to the older episodes and just want to start listening now, that part of the website will be really helpful to look at. Again, that website is questfriendspodcast.com. The other announcement is that our next episode is going to start the next arc of our story. And if you want a uh, little sample of what might be happening during that arc, we have a little promo teaser that will be premiering at the end of this episode. So just listen to the end of the music and then the promo will start playing. Besides that, that's all I've got. My only call to action is to check out the website and or check out the promo. And of course, tune in with us for our next episode on Monday, July 9th. I'll see you then. We are on to Ellie now, Ellie's day. So Ellie, what if, tell me about your upgrades. I mean, first of all, do I sound enough like a normal person or do we need to play it that Ellie is sick? I think do you're I fine. Like you're fine. Okay. I wouldn't have known. <laughs> well, now I know because you coughed, but... Way to ruin the illusion, Ellie. <laughs> so as far as my level up, I may have accidentally leveled my focus up to tier three at Penny and Pocket without realizing it because in the focus fuses flesh and steel, you can incorporate a weapon into your body. I did that not realizing that it was a tier three level up. Yeah. So we kind of played fast and loose with what we leveled up. We did some uh, skills. So I have lifting heavy objects. Why don't they just hire you? (laughs) Okay, anyway, I also am now trained in might defense. Ooh. And the most important level up, I am trained in babysitting. What? (laughs) This is, I feel like this is a very personal attack on certain members of this party. (laughs) Also, as far as my weapons being upgraded, you know how like a taser has those wires and you shoot it out and they're connected to the wires? Yeah, yeah, I was nodding, but I realized my camera's off. Oops. (laughs) So my Wolverine fists, I can now shoot out the little weapons and then draw them back in with wires. Yeah, essentially we had decided that during this break period, Ellie will have pulled out the claws and then basically use just like chicken wire to attach them to her hands. So now she can use them short or shoot them out as a ranged weapon. I'm going to say that the ranged weapon is worth four just because part of the reason the claws were so powerful is they supplemented your punch. Yeah, which makes total sense. And I gained... Inner defense, 
um, which is trained in resistance to efforts to discern feelings, beliefs, or plans. Also, resisting torture, telepathic intrusion, and mind control. So essentially, anyone tries to mess with their brain, they're going to have a bad time. Ellie will just think about all the times she's pounded metal directly into her flesh. Okay, and with that cheery thing, let's get on the subject of the babysitting skill. <laughs> Um, well, I also do. We need to go. Th- do we need to play through this weird healing process, or can I just like heal myself? You can just heal yourself. So one of the things is that healing is a bit weird for Misha and Ellie, and each of them have their own little modifications. So for Ellie, we've decided instead of doing what we normally do, she's just going to lose her first recovery roll of each day, just because that's that's easier than than kind of what they have in the rule book. All right, so Ellie, this is your day off. What are you doing? Well, I was kind of hoping to invite Mauve for a walk because with all this using my fists as heavy weapons, I may have dulled the blades a little bit. Probably not, but like getting your hand blades sharpened is a really good bonding activity for older women. So I'd like to invite Mob out to go get my claws sharpened. Okay, so you are are outside of the the metal cure station (laughs) and you're just kind of sitting on the bench and Mauve, after a bit of an awkward silence, is going to turn over and say, All right, I'm going to be honest. I'm not quite sure why you invited me to get my claws sharpened. I don't have claws. Well, <clears throat> so I tend to be a very forward person with what I'm thinking. And so I'm just going to lay it out there. I'm here to get my claws sharpened and try to bond with you (laughs) because we are both older women who are badass and I feel like it would be beneficial to be allies. Well, I I, uh, I appreciate the compliment. She raises her hand, and you can see come jutting out of it is the end of her rapier, kind of jutting out of the uh, of like her sleeve. And she says, "Do you think if I keep it underneath my my sleeve, they'll think it's part of my hand, and I can get it sharpened?" <laughs> I mean. It's worth a try, and if not, we can always just, like, look really scary, and they'll do it anyway. (laughs) Well, I suppose so. I don't know what you're going on about us not being allies, though. You helped me save my husband. Not just anybody would do that. Well, I mean, you helped save those allies I've been traveling with. (laughs) You know, you gotta... Someday you're gonna have to admit when friends are friends. Those friends have gotten themselves into a lot of trouble. I want friends that are gonna stick around. And I don't know if these ones will. She's gonna turn over to you and look back and says, I know, I'm planning on talking to him, but his heart was in the right place when he ran off without you. It's hard to remember that sometimes. I can punch anything that comes at them if I'm there. Well, then I guess the important thing to do is to be there. And if you leave them, well, that's the farthest from there you can get. Don't I know it. And you sit there for a little bit, and suddenly you hear a woman screaming, My baby! My baby! And then she runs up to you, I need someone to watch my baby! Calm down, lady! I thought it didn't mean was carrying your baby off! (laughs) Chill! No! That filthy and mean ex-husband of mine tried to, but I got child rights. (laughs) Child rights. Congratulations. But now I need my metal cure done, and I need someone to watch my baby. Ooh. You getting a metal cure too? Yes. It's for, it's for the knives in my throat. (laughs) That's why I sound like this. Are those very useful? Absolutely not. But I, I can't eat that much with my teeth, so it helps cut up the food. What the fuck, Kyle? <laughs> I'm sorry, just give me a minute. Will you watch my baby? <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, you saw a sincere moment and thought, no, we gotta make it weird again. <laughs> I <gotta remember> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. 
Okay, guys, I'm okay. I can't do this. Well, I guess I can't leave a fellow metal body in need. I could watch it for a minute. As you say that, you just see a trail of dust as the woman has already <laughs> run in, and you just hear a brief voice say, Why, thank you. Where's the baby? Oh, the baby's in a carriage right in front oh, of you. Okay. And it is sickeningly adorable. It's just like, it's sitting there and it's all squishy. And it's like, it looks like, oh man. You know, like how the really cute babies just look like really old grumpy men. And just like, meh. Ellie puts on the toughest face she can. Because she's tough. The baby stares at you stone face for a second. And then just starts crying. Shit, what do I do? I, I don't Mom, know. fix it! I, I don't know the oldest kid I work with is Everett. He's like a baby? He, yeah, well, I'm, I don't know. Can we give him a hat? That's what I do when Everett gets upset. How are you going to take care of this baby? You got that skill in babysitting. You're going to fucking earn it. <laughs> um, I'm going to, like, take out my claws very, like, turn around not facing the baby just so there's no chance. And take out my claws and then turn around and hold them up to the, like, hold them up in the air and move my hand back and forth so that the sun shines on them and they sparkle. The baby stops crying for a little bit and it's like, oh, and then starts crying again. (laughs) Okay, that's actually probably for the best because, like, if it reached for it. Um, Do you want me to go back and have it reach for it instead? No! Yeah, no, it starts crying. No! We already... No, you don't let us redo rolls. I am not going to let you go and make this terrible. Uh, You go... Well, no, but when you retract your claws, it cries harder. I'm going to lean down, like, kind of kneel on the ground so my head is about level with the baby. And I'm going to move my head back and forth and let all the things on my hat kind of jingle. Oh. And then it's, it seems to be getting better, but it looks like it could cry any second. Oh. I, I want to take one of the, like, pearl strings off and wave it in front of the baby. Like, oh, look at this. And then I'm going to hum. Mm-hmm. And as you uh, hum this tune, the baby slowly starts to calm down and starts to uh, actually fall asleep. And it's a little bit later. And the uh, the woman has come back and she's gotten her baby. The second she started talking, the baby uh, actually remained quiet because it's used to her horrible knife-filled throats. <laughs> and Before the baby leaves, I want to pluck one of the silk flowers off my hat and give it to the baby. Okay. The baby starts holding on to it and then puts it in its mouth. <laughs> it doesn't swallow it, but it just goes as babies are wont to do with anything yeah. they are given. Ellie's going to like look at it for a second like should I stop this? It's really dirty, but then she'll think about it and like babies put everything in their mouth. It's going to be fine. As you do that, as you leave, Mav is going to turn over and say, "Well, you're real natural at this, aren't you?" I uh, that's the first time I guess I've Thought about it like that. Generally, I think about the opposite. Sometimes we're the people who have the toughest time seeing our own skills. Ellie clears her throat <clears throat> and says, uh, You know what, but <laughs> speaking of songs, have you heard that kazoo? Mm. Have you? Well, that's... <laughs> I gotta say, I, I, I can't help but, but chuckle a little bit. I didn't say anything about a song. Uh, 
let's do our final episode of the day. So Misha, before we get into everything, describe your new skills and abilities that you've gotten. All right. So I have a new kazoo song. Uh, Yeah, I got a new kazoo song and I am going to say that Misha just has been kind of trying to learn new songs after, you know, the one that they knew didn't really work as much for Sock that one time. So I have this aggression skill where basically it's this really annoying tune that if I play it, I just basically make them really primitive and angry and aggressive and stuff like that. And it mechanically just has uh, an asset on the might-based attack rolls and stuff, but it's just a thing that really annoys them and helps people fight better. So that's a thing. Another thing that I have is shock to the system. So that one is basically Misha floods the mind of, of a target with disturbing images and ideas and makes them unconscious or at least not able to function for two rounds on battle. And the way the way that I am going to flavor that is that Misha just hasn't been in the best of places recently, especially since they got their memories like back the second time. And so basically it's when they just get too stressed and they just like project it to whoever is next to them, which is kind of a problem. Yeah, and the one thing to know about that for for other players is that if uh, that person gets damaged, the effect ends. So it's kind of like if you have a bad dream and somebody pinches you, you wake yeah. up. So if someone gets hit during shock to the system, they they get conscious and are probably more upset than they were before Misha <laughs> knocked them out. Yes, and then another ability that I got is fling. So I am able to choose a creature or object that is my side or smaller and within short range and I can finally launch it in a short distance so I am going to just say that Misha doing the thing with Ellie last session kind of uh, they, it's not the, the only time that they have done it or like they did it and then they like actually liked doing it so they have been practiced doing it with Ellie for practice purposes and so I, I want to potentially to specifically do it mostly with Ellie so as a kind of dual attack where I just choose her and toss her to enemies for major damage since She's so heavy. So yeah, the way <laughs> so we're happy. Yes, other thing that I have that I didn't have. Um, th- their connection to the data sphere has gotten stronger after they were able to regain the access to the data sphere after being it so it being so close and like it came back, but it came back kind of with a punch. So I have that data sphere update uh, where basically at the beginning of one day I can receive a rush of images specifically for one specific thing on the data sphere, and I can receive I can. Be become trained on a specific task each day just for that one day basically by receiving images and stuff from there. Yeah, and that'll be uh, something I should explain about day mechanics is that if we go over the course of multiple days within a session, which for us every session is approximately every two episodes, if we go over multiple days then Misha can update every day otherwise once per session Ari will be able to use this ability and to distinguish it a little bit from Hallie's flex ability which is basically the same thing Hallie's going to choose hers at the beginning of each session, and Ari will be able to use this ability basically whenever she wants, but only once and only for the remainder of that scene. Because... Like, for example, our last arc took place over one day, and I don't want no, Ari yeah. to... I don't want people to have a one-day abilities that they only get to use once every half a year. Yeah, and that's actually how I have been taking the, the, the one that I had before, like my Google thing. I have, like, at the beginning of each session, or, like, every session have done it rather than every day. Yeah. And then I'm trained in throwing, but that's, that's tied to the thing that I have with Ellie. And then I'm trained in a thing called Master of Disguise because, you know, they really like disguise themselves as something. They're still impaired in persuasion, so even though they could disguise themselves as something that they're not, it doesn't mean that they can convince people if they are asked what specifically they are, so it's kind of an interesting combination. Misha can easily convince people that they're somebody, but then they're fucked beyond that. Yeah. Basically. Uh, One last ability we have is Overload Device, which is basically using the data sphere to deactivate a device. And we we can go into more detail about that, I guess, when we use it. Um, So yeah, so none of the things that I have necessarily require Misha to go out into town and 
get them. I mean, they are definitely not in a good place right now, and that's a thing. But I assume that most of them, they just got them by having the memories slowly come back after this arc and all the implications that come with it. Yeah, let's get into that. So as Ari said, all of Misha's memories have come back, and they've come back kind of slowly. And one of the things that should be noted is that it's not like Misha's new memories have been overridden. It's not like, oh, you know, they have more memories about Ellie being named Ellie and not Ellie, but Misha has both of those memories and it'll be up to Ari to figure out how they... Yeah, so that's why they're kind of not in that best of places. It's because they still have conflicting information and they they have to figure out how to deal with that. So that, that's the thing. Okay, so we're at the, the end of the day. The sun is kind of setting because you said you spent most of the day just kind of catatonic, right? Yeah, I mean, well, they, they were not necessarily catatonic. They were fiddling with, with their kazoo and such, but not really responsive. They were just like practicing some songs and stuff. Again, not that aggression in that new, new tune, which I am so excited to hear. <laughs> okay, so we're near the end of the day. The sun is setting and you've been doing that all day. So you've been sitting around most of the time. You've noticed... You know, people coming and going from the cabin that you were allowed to stay in. You know, some of the other party members as they've gone about their day. You saw once at one point a bunch of kids go to see some uh, kid band or something. You know, band that performs kids uh, for, for kiddos. And then they've, they've come back. That seems to end, you know, pretty close to the end of the day. And then people are going in and out about their jobs. Okay. By the time the kids or those come back, we just kind of come to a decision. And then uh, what they're going to do is first they're going to grab they're going to look for a, a piece of paper or something that they can write something on which I assume there will be something in the cabin somewhere yeah there'll be something on it alright so uh, Misha's going to pick the paper write something down on it it's gonna put it in Shock's bed and take their scarf and put it also there and then they're going to just grab some stuff their bat and all of that and then they're going to go out of the room and look for the kids that were outside of the in the plaza. And they're they're chatting around, they're being like, Oh my god, that was so good! I, I love that! Man, that was the best part of my tiny little time on this planet. There's <laughs> nothing better than Barry's baritone band. <laughs> Um, so Misha is going to approach the kids and it's still going to be semi-serious and then they're going to be like, oh, salutations, young humans. My name is, and they're going to introduce themselves as they always do. I could not help but overhear you talking about a spectacle that you, that you attended and I hear something about a band. Can you elaborate on it? I have been listening to you talk about it for a while but I I had just decided to come and inquire about it. They all like kind of circle around you and kind of like a mini wave just push you towards the <laughs> band. This mob is okay. just rushing towards it and they're like, Mr. Barry, Mr. Barry. And you see this guy who's like in like a suit and looks like middle age. And he's like, oh, well, actually, kids, my name is Barney. Oh, can I help you today? Oh, salutations, Mr. Uh, I, I believe your nomenclature is Barry the very tone my my nomenclature is and then Misha is going to introduce themselves as they do uh, and then they are going to be like oh I could not help but overhear that you are part of a band and these young humans seem to be highly interested in your abilities may I ask if you reside in this town or what type of band do you form a part of well we are Barney baritone band so it's me, I play the violin, and then we've got... And and then we've got everyone else. Um, and then we've got Emmy over there who does the drums and Jeffrey who does some pretty cool guitar stuff. We don't have our baritone player anymore, but we're good old family fun for all kids to enjoy. Are your parents here? Uh, <laughs> Misha is going to first introduce themselves to the rest of the band one by one with their whole name. And then uh, they're going to look at Barney and they're going to be like, oh, uh, my apologies. No, I do not have a recollection of who my parents or creators 
are, but this is besides the point. In fact, you get a little you get a little upset at the word parents. Something inside you just gets upset when you hear that. Okay. So, okay, so when when so when they hear that, they are just they're going to look a, a little bit taken aback and then they're going to say, "I do not have parental figures." Please refrain from inquiring this question again, Mr. Barney the Baritone. My... Um, uh, just Barney is... Okay. <laughs> and they're going to like look very straight at, at him when, when they say that. However, th does your band always remain in this town to brighten the, li the lives of these young humans? Oh no, we go all throughout Navarine. I mean, these are dark times. With a war between Charmande and Key Brewing... Kids around this country need all the happy and joyful music they can get. Well, uh, I have been practicing my own instrumental material, and then they're going to, uh, to show the kazoo to Barney. I suppose what I am trying to convey is that I want to do different things from my past. And I believe that I have an instrument that I can procure and be part of a band. Therefore, I was wondering if you had an extra space for your group of humans for me to participate in. Oh, a new band member. What do you play? They are going to show the kazoo and say, well, you see, I was told that this instrument was rare and that it was able to have magical properties on humans. I have started to believe that this may not be the case, but I am still skilled on it. He's going to look at that and say, Oh, I think my nephew has one of those. Emmy, do you think we have space for another member? And Emmy just shakes her head and gives him <laughs> a big thumbs down. And he's like, yeah, no, I think we per I think we absolutely have space. Although we are going to have to have a little bit of an audition. <laughs> oh, do you have anything you can play on it? Oh, certainly I have. And then they are going to think first of the two songs that they have played previously. And then they're going to be like, I, I actually have been practicing on a new song. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> And they're going to be like, I, I had that practice. I practiced that previously for somebody else, but oh. but I want to use it in my audition. Oh, no. Um, so after that playing, there's a little bit of a silence. And Barney turns over to Emmy, who's giving him this like, like shrugging her shoulders and with a big frown, like, what the fuck? Why are we still humoring this person? And he turns over to you and says, yeah, you're in. And with that, we are not ending the episode. Instead, we're going to turn over back to Shock. Okay. Who uh, has, at the end of kind of his his day... Uh, it was fine. And Jacques, you open the door to kind of the chambers you got. And Lowell's rambling and he's saying things like, I gotta admit, as gross as the brain thing is, and it's really gross, that is really neat. You're going to have to teach me more about that sometime. And suddenly your face gets covered and like it feels as if someone's trying to smother you with like a clothy pillow. And eventually the uh, cloth goes down so you can see through your eyes and you see that this purple scarf has wrapped itself around you and is holding this note in front of your face. And Ari, what does the note say? Mm. What the fuck? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> this, the note says, here is the best part of me. I hope you remember. Remember me for that. <laughs> no! What is this episode? I want, I want for the record for our viewers to know that I was already like softly crying on mute when, when, <laughs> when Misha played Africa, which was going to be our song. <laughs>
Look, look, it's still our sound, oh, okay? It's, it's I, I fine. I'm oh, it's sorry. fine. It's fine. Everything's Oh, God. All right. Let me compose myself. Uh, Shock is going to immediately turn to run out the door and say to the scarf, Take me to them! <laughs> to the scarf! Yeah, and the scarf kind of, like, just pulls at your neck. Shock is running and cursing himself for wasting his data sphere question now when he needs it most. And, Misha, you're packing all your stuff onto the uh, back of the Anine, which the band uses to kind of carry their gear. Misha, no! And as you're about to get on, you can turn over and you see this scarf just fluttering as a 19-year-old boy just chases trying to keep up with it occasionally like tripping and having to hop to catch up uh shock is going to run up shouting misha jarvis we're just gonna turn and narrow their eyes and say shock misha i what you are are you leaving shock i i do apologize as this is not this is not something that has to do with you or with ellie B, or with simon 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 scotch at all all of you are great companions but i just ha- i have done things that could put all of you in danger and i do not want to risk this happening therefore i am trying to step away from it before it happens again but we're all in danger all the time I am aware of it, but it's it's different. Uh, it's different being in danger from an external danger than being in danger because it's a danger that we cause, and this is something that I can cause, and that I can generate danger to all of you. Therefore, it is it is better for me to step away be, be, because of that. You see, I I remembered things while you almost went off to to die, and I, I am afraid that I might be the one that causes it later. And then they're going to kind of look away a little bit. Shock hangs his head slightly at, at the mention of him going off to die, but then looks up with a new determination, and says, "We've all done terrible things. Well, may, maybe not Hopperscotch." <laughs> But we we've all done bad things. It it's okay. Please, you don't have to worry about me. I, I can be safe. I trust you. But you see, I do not trust me. And being being <sighs> playing things, be, being on on this band is is less dangerous than being than than being around somebody that I care about. You see, shock. I uh I removed someone's life. And they're going to kind their their voice is kind of gonna trail off as as they say that, and they're going to be like, and I didn't know that I was doing it. I may have even enjoyed it. I am not entirely sure. My recollections are still not as great, but we can work through it. I'm not afraid. If you did something while you weren't you, we can find a way to protect against that. It, it could have been Ellie, but what if it was her? Or what if it what what if it was Scotch? What if it was you shock is going to pause for a moment considering that and then just sort of can i can i retcon something briefly can i say that up till now this has been happening mentally this conversation mm, yeah so that no, definitely that's what i thought okay. too <laughs> okay i wouldn't have said it just like in the middle of the street no <laughs> then shock shouts out loud i don't care i don't want to be alone again it happened before i people have hurt me before but it's okay i trust you i <laughs> I can't go back to the way things were. Please, please don't go. We'll fix it somehow. Well, okay, maybe we won't fix it, but we'll find a way to make it through it. Misha's going to stare at Shock for a really, really long moment, and then they're just going to, they're just going to hug, to, to, go, to go into a hug. Shock returns the fuck out of that hug. <laughs> And so you have that hug, and you 
tell Barney that you're not going to be part of his band anymore. He's he's used to it by this point, honestly. And you walk back to your cabin, and back in your cabin you see Hopper Scotch nursing a surprisingly hefty amount of bruises on his shoulders, while Ellie sits in the corner humming to herself and looking at a random piece of memorabilia that she had pulled from her hat. And you look around at, at your friends, at the people you've gone through a lot with, and you're gonna go through a hell of a lot more with. And... After a while, you all slowly, one by one, head to sleep, rested, and ready for your next adventure. Quest Friends Theater presents Don't Be Like Dunshire. A children's poem, written and performed by Lorraine Stiles. Deep in the steadfast lies a town made of glass, with a people so fragile they deserve a hard pass. Sure, it looks nice and shiny with cute girls and cute boys who stand straight to attention with adorable poise. But it's all a facade, a most terrible ruse. No, don't be like Dunshire if you're able to choose. Don't be like Dunshire and tell secrets and lies and hide your hard feelings behind fake plastic smiles. Don't be like Dunshire and waste all your time on silly sideshows that don't earn a dime. Don't be like Dunshire and hide all alone as if the whole world were some deadly death zone. No. Don't be like Dunshire. Don't be like Dumpshire. Don't be like Dunshire. It deserves utmost ire. Now, that being said, it isn't all bad. Even Dunshire has some joys to be had. And like a sweet bunny rabbit, but ten times more smart, he'll hop, 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 hop his way into your heart. But oh no, oh whoa, one day he'll fail too, and leave you all bored with nothing to do. But don't be like Dunshire, give him a fresh chance to pull up those bootstraps and join one last dance. He might not deserve it, you might wanna stray, but you're his best friend, you can't go away. So instead let him know, though not where or when, no fear, Hopper Scotch. I'll see you again. Quest Friends Chapter 3 Questionable Measures will be premiering on Monday, July 9th. You can subscribe for updates on future episodes at questfriendspodcast.com or under Quest Friends on your favorite podcasting app. Be sure to sign up so you can receive the latest episodes as soon as they are released. After all, you don't want to keep her waiting.